Your three steps to wealth starts in three, two, one, now. This is The Three Steps to Wealth. Hello, I'm Scott Hogue. Welcome to The Three Steps to Wealth. This is podcast number 10. I promised in the last podcast that I'd tell you in this podcast how to get my next book free before it even went to publishing. We'll keep that promise at the end of this podcast. If you don't have pencil and paper, you may want to get that so that you can take down the details for this later. But I hope you're taking notes all along on the podcast. Now, I've been giving you homework to do, and this week we're going to bring that together and then continue with Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I ask you to write down at least 20 reasons why you wanted to be wealthy or rich. I ask you to write them down, write what those reasons would look like, feel like, what they would do for you and for others if and when you achieved them. I ask you to make a snapshot mentally, a picture of the scene you created when you imagine these reasons coming true as if in a movie. I ask you to describe this and describe it all and put it on paper for future reference. Now, I hope you did that. This all works so much better if you do it. Most people will not do these exercises, but they will continue to complain about their life. Here's the most powerful process that I found to help people achieve their goals. One, write down what you want. Be clear and specific. Give it a reasonable date for completion. Two, right now why you want it. Go into details about that. What it would mean for you, what it would feel like, what it would do for you and for others. Write down why you want it. Three, create a mental image or a construct of the thing that you want as if it had already happened. Make it like a movie that you've written, directed, and then you stepped into as the lead actor. Create a mental image or construct of the thing that you want as if it had already happened. Four, Make a plan on how to attain this goal. What new skills would you need? What help or resources? Make a plan on how to attain this goal. Write it down. Five, write down the goal on index cards. Write the plan down in a notebook with any useful notes and information that you collect along the way. Six, review the plan twice a day and carry the index cards around to look at many times during the day. Include the snapshot. You'll want to borrow from the emotions and the power of that future attainment of your goal to drive you now to work toward realization of the goal. Seven, act daily. Every day, keep a diary. Record some action on your goal every single day. Move forward every day with action. You see, you dream, you capture the dream, you make it real in your mind, then act to make it real in your world. Be consistent. Act daily. Revise and update your plan as necessary. Now, you may have to turn off the road that you're on and on to another road or other roads as you travel to your destination, just like you do in life. Don't be afraid to change your plan and take another path when you see a real need to do so. Now, the only thing that I can add here is that would make this even more powerful is to make a prayer out of your goal. And I'm serious about this. If you're working for something that you'd be ashamed to make into a prayer, then you're not on solid ground to start with. 
I'm telling you the truth. I've seen this with my own eyes time and time again. If you can make your goal into a prayer, and then you take that on in this process and follow through with it, it makes it all so much more powerful. But you have to have at least a little faith for any of this to work. Now back to Think and Grow Rich. On the last podcast, we just finished with desire. And we talked about the six steps, the six-step method for attaining a desire or realization, what's sometimes called the Carnegie Method. We're going to go on now to chapter 3 in faith. We read that faith actually is something tangible in the Bible. And it's, that's in Hebrews 11 and 1, in case you're, you're interested in that. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance and evidence of things. We have a thought, but that thought is an idea, and that's all it is. It's not active until we begin to mix it with faith. When mixed with faith, we can activate our idea. How many people do you know that they've had an idea, but without mixing it with faith, it's inactive, and it never comes to anything? So faith is the start of the process of realization, or the process that makes it real. Think of an idea as your seed. When you apply faith, you water and you fertilize your idea so that it will grow and become real and grow in this real world. When you doubt, it is not the same thing as withholding water and fertilize because doubt is not just withholding something. It's not just the absence of faith, but it is the presence of negativity. And like I said, it's like acid almost pouring on a seed. Avoid doubt and count doubt as a sin, actually. Lack of confidence and self-limitation are two of the most restricting factors that we face. Now, we go to four. Hill was the head of the modern psychologist when he started using auto-suggestion. And we use that today. Even in hypnosis or in psychology, we see that so much today. We find that creativity drops off dramatically, for instance, when a child goes to school. At school, they're told more of what they can't do than what they can do. And we can use auto-suggestion to open that possibility that we've closed off so much and been told so many times back up. Children are told that they can't talk in class, they can't draw when the teacher's teaching, they can't move around, they can't take a nap now, they can't play. It, it just seems that the list is endless. We are living in a box, and that box has not even got a lid on it. It's the things that we've been told that we can't do. And, you know, as adults, adults tell us so many times as children the things that we can't do. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. But it comes down to the fact that the adults are busy and they don't tell you that you can't do that now because you're a child. They, they leave off the rest of it. The rest of the story is, is that later when you're a grown-up, you can do all these things and so many more. But they leave that off. But as adults, we just keep telling ourselves, because the adults are still busy, we keep telling ourselves we can't do these things. And that's where that our problem lies. Napoleon Hill used self-suggestion, auto-suggestion to build confidence and to help us to understand the power within that we have to be able to use our own resources. We're all invested with certain resources. And of course, we can add to that list and we can magnify the ones we have by using them with practice, just as a muscle grows with exercise and use. So that's what he's talking about in chapter four. Be sure to practice the auto-suggestion exercise that's in this chapter frequently, and it is actually connected to the Carnegie Method that we also call the six-step method in the previous chapter. Chapter 5 is specialized knowledge. There is, of course, value in specialized knowledge, and that is an organization, too, to be able to organize things. You know, if you took an automobile 
and you stripped it down to its basic parts. You put them in your driveway, piece by piece, unassembled. It'd just be a mess. But when they're organized correctly, connected and organized and put together correctly, then it's an automobile, and you can crank it up, and you can go places and do things with it, and it's not a mess in your driveway anymore. And that's what he's talking about here, specialized knowledge. Andrew Carnegie had very little knowledge about making steel, but he did have a great deal of specialized knowledge about arranging people in a way that they would be able to work together and to keep them on track for a common goal. Then he used people that had individual specialized knowledge in each and every field. Someone that knew about the mining of of iron ore. Someone that knew about the transportation. Someone that knew about the smelting. And even later he he got involved in the steel making process. So he was able to use this specialized knowledge. General knowledge is what we learn in school. Unfortunately, they don't teach a lot of specialized knowledge, especially in the first 12 years of school. They won't teach you how to make money. In a, a standard education, they do not. That's considered specialized knowledge. General knowledge is the alphabet. General knowledge, words in a book, and how to read, how to count in arithmetic. But to learn how to make money, that is specialized knowledge. There's two ways to get specialized knowledge and to have it at your disposal. You can own it or you can rent it. And by owning it, I mean that you can go out and you can learn it and make it your own and then you've got that specialized knowledge. But that takes time, and it may not be time that you have. It may be much faster to rent it, to find someone who already has that specialized knowledge and to pay them a consideration, maybe a percentage of the gain or profit in the project. Maybe it's not money that you have in your hand or pocket, but it's money that you will have as a percentage or share of the investment that they'll invest for that realization. Think about this. Let's say you needed a lot surveyed. You need a survey on a lot for a title. Well, you could hire someone to survey it, and within a week or maybe even a day or two, they would get around to your job, and they would go out and they'd survey that lot, and you would have that done. How long would it take you to go to surveyor school and to get your certificate and be able to go out and survey a lot? So you see the time that would be saved by being able to rent that knowledge and skill when it's necessary and really needed. Chapter six is imagination. I think that the story where that uh, Napoleon Hill tells about the Coca-Cola company, how it sold for $500 the first time it sold, was a great lesson in imagination. In case you missed that part and you haven't read that, let me explain. The doctor imagined that he could sell a a kittle and a piece of paper for $500, the doctor that invented Coca-Cola, the formula. That was pretty good imagination, though, when you think about it. It was basically a kittle, a piece of paper, and a boat oar to to, uh, basically a wooden paddle to stir it with. And that's so to be able to think back in that day and time, you could get $500 for a piece of paper, a kittle, and a boat oar. That's pretty good. I have no doubt that you could have probably bought a a decent kittle for $10 or $20 new at that time. But the doctor imagined that he could sell it all for $500, and he did. The clerk that bought the kettle and the piece of paper and the wooden paddle imagined that it would be worth much more to him than the $500 he gave, much more. Over the years, many people in the Coca-Cola company have added their imagination, and now the Coca-Cola company has assets that's in excess of $40 billion and U.S. income of over $9 billion annually. The company's total value would probably be in excess of $100 billion if we considered the worldwide value of Coca-Cola, the stock, and the assets. Even the name is worth a lot.
Take your ideas and work on them with imagination. Amazing things then begin to happen. Walt Disney was in a real spot financially when he saw a mouse run across the floor of the train that he was traveling on. He used his imagination, and before long he came up with Mickey Mouse. There's a little more to it the story, but it's all interesting. And that's really what it comes down to. He saw the mouse, he used his imagination. We've got Mickey Mouse, we've got Disneyland, we've got Disney World, we've got so many things because of imagination. One man started putting imagination to a little mouse, and people added to that their imagination and their work, and we see what we have today. Chapter 7 is organized planning. There's a lot of material laid out in one, two, three fashion in this chapter, so there's no reason for me to do that all here. Just let me do this instead. Let me tell you what Aristotle said about organization at about 350 B.C. Aristotle said, The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Now think of it like this. We said a pile of parts in your driveway was a nuisance. We talked about that as the car. But... It's just a nuisance and an eyesore if it's just the individual parts. And even when they're added together in a pile, but when they're connected together in a sum, one sum thing, then it's an automobile. And it's very useful. That's what I'm talking about, about organized planning. Using organization in your planning and in every step of the process. Here it is again for you. There's power in organization. This is the chapter that deals in leadership. Review that part frequently because as you move along, you're going to have to influence people and be a leader to them to get them to do the things that you need them to do to benefit both you and them. You always have to have something in the deal for them. Never ask anyone, and Napoleon Hill said this himself, never ask anyone to do something that they're not sufficiently compensated for. It's just a bad policy, and in time, that will come around to catch up with you. It'll slow you down, and it will set you back. Chapter 8 is decision. Decision is the gate that you must go through to get to where you want to go, have what you want to have, and to be what you want to be. Who said that? I did, just then, Scott Hogue. Yes, seriously. And it is true. Decision is the gate that you have to go through to get where you want to go, to have what you want to have in life, and to be what you want to be. You can't advance without decision. You're stranded. You're stuck. You must make some decision to move forward in every case. Life's full of choices. We must make a decision on our course of action or we're just stuck where we are without these. And even not making a decision is a decision because time, we've decided to let time make the decision or opportunities to come and go to make the decision that we're not willing to make for ourselves. So it's a decision to stay where you are and suffer the consequence. That's a decision too. Read this decision chapter. Here's a trick that I've learned about it. When you make a decision to change an action or habit, it's really necessary to make two decisions at that same spot. One, make the decision about the change or action you're talking about. Two, you must make the decision to stand by your first decision. If you don't make that second decision, there's not a lot of power usually in that first decision. Chapter 9 is persistence. Persistence is necessary to achieve any real amount of success because of the law of gestation. It takes time for a seed to grow and bear fruit. You just can't plant a seed today and come back tomorrow and reap a harvest. That's why persistence is necessary. You have to keep watering that seed. You have to keep weeding it. You have to fertilize it along. And you have to let the elements take their part. They have their part in this. The sunshine, the rain, the weather. You have to allow the earth and the soil to do that, the nutrients. 
You do your part, but you have to do it with persistence. Then, with persistence, the Bible tells us, you'll reap in due season if you faint not. If you faint, friends, then without that persistence, you won't make it to the goal. Very good lesson in here about, uh, in the book of the Napoleon Hill wrote, Thinking Grow Rich, about a gold mine. And you need to go back and find out where they quit three feet. They were just three feet from success, and they gave up by lack of persistence. Chapter 10 we're going to cover, and I think we'll kind of wrap it up after that. We're just going to touch on that. That's the power of the mastermind. This links in back to how to get that specialized knowledge. People working together for a common goal. A mastermind is a board of people, and they don't have to meet necessarily all together at one time, although that's a great benefit, and I've done that from time to time. And with today's technology, it's so easy to get everyone on the phone with a conference call. But if you can get different people working to the same goal, they each bring their own resources. So you have the resources of each individual added to that group. But yet when they all come together, Napoleon Hill said that it was like there was an additional mind that was created. So if you had three people, perhaps, working on the same goal, it's almost like there was a fourth mind then that was created from the knowledge and wisdom of those three when added together, once again, that the sum was greater than the total of the parts, and so that that mastermind, that additional mind, came up with ideas, methods, ways of doing things that the three people individually certainly didn't know. And when they came together, only when they brought their knowledge to the table and worked together, come up with new ideas that brought about the new methods of this mastermind. And of course, it's one of the most important things Napoleon Hill based his success upon. He said that, that by using the mastermind, and he said, of course, if you're married, the first person that you need to try to get into your mastermind is your spouse or your significant other, someone. And sometimes that's not suitable. Sometimes that doesn't work out. But someone that you can agree on with the same goal, that you can work together with, and of course, you can work with them on their goal and let this be reciprocal, or that you both agree on things to help each other. And that's what he's talking about. So that wraps up this part. We'll have to come back for chapter 11, the dreaded chapter 11, the mystery of sex transmutation for next week. All right, I've made a promise, and I want to keep that promise. April 10th is the date that Manu's book should be on the way to the publisher. And if you want a copy, a complimentary copy of that is a free gift from me, I have a way for you to do that. All you have to do is just send me an email. You can send me an email to 3stepstraining at gmail.com. And I'm going to go over that if you've got a pencil and paper and explain that. That's three, the word three, T-H-R-E-E-S-T-E-P-S-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G at gmail. Of course, that's G-M-A-I-L dot com. 3stepstraining at gmail.com. We'll go over it one more time because I know it's a little strange. But that's the reason I've got that email address, is it's a strange email address. You're not likely to come up on that unless I give it to you. Three, you spell out three, T-H-R-E-E-S-T-E-P-S-T-R-A-I-N-I-N-G at gmail.com. Just say subscribe in the subject. You'll get my free newsletter. You'll be subscribing to that. It's about a once or twice a month email letter that I'm coming out with. And you'll get a link to download my new book free. I hate spam. I really do. I wouldn't even know how to spam if I wanted to, which I don't. But I do have a few things I'd like to do for the people that are spamming me. Don't worry about that. I'm not going to spam you. If you want to send just a subscribe email to that, 
Once or twice a month, I'll send you a copy of my newsletter, a short little newsletter. And the first thing I'll send you is a link to download this book for free. My book, I Want a Better Life, But Give Me the Short Version How, will probably be ready for download in a few days before the 10th. Before that, That's the 10th of April, 2014. That's when I'm sending it to the publisher. And it will take some time after the publisher gets it before they release it. So you're getting it free and well ahead of the public. So that's one more time. My book is I Want a Better Life, But Give Me the Short Version How. And it's got good reviews from the early releases that we've given out. And if you'd like a copy of it, just spell the word three, three steps training. That's steps, plural, three steps training at gmail.com. Just send me an email that says subscribe in it, and I'll get back. If you got any questions, I try to answer them. You can use that. I use that for an email that we answer questions to. Till next time, be blessed. That's it for this podcast. If you're serious about this, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any lessons as we go through the series. The website is www.3stepstowealth.com and you must spell the word three, so that makes it www.threestepstowealth.com. Three Steps to Wealth. Spell the word three, just don't use the numeral in the address. If you're serious about success, wealth, and a better life, I'm just suggesting that a website named Three Steps to Wealth could be useful. There's a free download section on the website and also a blog. You might want to make a note of it to check the website and to check it often because we add material pretty frequently. There's a feed link for the blog as well as an RSS link to subscribe to the podcast. Till next time, it's my heart's desire that you're blessed. This podcast is a production of Hogan Life and is copyrighted 2013 by Scott Hogue, The Three Steps to Wealth. Since your conditions are dependent on your personal circumstances, and since laws and circumstances can change quickly, we must insist that in any endeavor where there's risk, you must consult with a competent professional. Scott Hogue is an educator and does not provide personal professional advice in any area. Companies and trademarks mentioned in these podcasts belong to their owners and not to Scott Hogue or the Three Steps to Wealth. The endorsement of the companies or people mentioned in these podcasts or they of this material is not implied. All music is the property of the rights and copyright holders and has been licensed for use here. This is a production of Hogan Live, copyright 2013. All rights reserved.